Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we made it through the draft. Uh, did you enjoy it? I, I, I loved it. I was basically at the Steelers facility for the whole thing, eating my meals there, interviewing Devin Bush, sitting down with coaches as usual, which is fun. Um, but I got to say, I mean, I, this, I know this is going to take a little bit of the burst out of the balloon, I guess, but... I'm less and less excited about this rookie class for Dynasty after the draft, and I didn't love it going into the draft. I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, certainly some questions at the top. It, it doesn't have that that star power that we've seen from uh, from past drafts. There's no there's no Saquon Barkley or mm-hmm. Zeke or Gurley. That's that's no surprise, you know, pre-draft or post-draft, but Honestly, I'm I'm the other I'm on the other side. I, the more I look at this class, especially deeper in the draft for dynasty purposes, uh, third and fourth round, there's a lot of a lot of players I really like. Matt, we're going to be talking all about the rookies today, of course, and we've got a great guest to do that with. We've got Evan Silva from Roto World. Evan, how are you, man? I am doing really well. Uh, had a great draft weekend. I thought it was an absolute blast. I think that you guys are both right about the dynasty rookie class because i think that it's maybe a little bit disappointing like in the first round but Mm -hmm. as you get deeper into the second third maybe late second third fourth rounds i think some guys landed at some pretty intriguing landing spots uh later in the draft but I, i do agree that it's lacking big time star power up top i mean i think that you can make an argument for like four or five different guys to be number one overall, but not necessarily because they're all great prospects. It's because they all kind of have warts, but they but you can definitely tell yourself a story to where they can be big time fantasy football producers. But I think it's it's like the wild wild west out there. I think <laughs> in uh, in terms of you know dynasty uh, rookie drafts this year. And um, I don't know, my initial inclination is that if you do have some of the high picks to uh, maybe try to shop them and, and, you know, uh, move down the board a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like taking some of the guys, I think, are very uh, tempting up up top to take. And and we'll we'll jump. You know, we're going to hit on all those guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know, Evan, that you shared uh, you shared your pre-draft rookie rankings and you took a little heat for having Hakeem Butler as your wide receiver one. Uh, you and I had a conversation at, at one point because I also, for part of that pre-draft process, had Butler up top. I think Matt did as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember us talking about uh, about Butler and the, the possibility that he could fall out of the first round, certainly, and, mm-hmm. and, and even maybe into day three. And, of course, we know that's that's exactly what happened. So Butler was a surprise. There were other draft capital surprises in both directions, Nicole Hardman, DeAndre Johnson, uh, Kelvin Harmon. I know, I know. Maybe you weren't surprised by that when you weren't necessarily a, a fan of his pre-draft. But how do you take that that information that we learned from the NFL draft, that both the capital and and the landing spot, and and how do you kind of uh, adjust your pre-draft rankings? How much do you let that factor in? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really do pre-draft dynasty rankings per se, but I definitely had like opinions on just prospects that I thought, you know, had the most upside or, you know, whatever. So, but, but, you know, I think that as the process moved along, we really became aware that the NFL was a lot lower on Hakeem Butler than, you know, you or, or I, or um, Matt, or, you know, Matt Waldman or Greg Cosell was going to be, or Josh Norris, you know, we all had him as, as our, our overall wide receiver one, but then you look at, you know, the rankings of a lot of guys that are super plugged into the league like Gil Brandt, like um, Daniel Jeremiah, like uh, Lance Zierlein, you know, um, guys who let the opinions of the NFL influence their their rankings, they were much lower on Akeem Butler, you know. So I, I kind of knew that he was going to fall. I, w- I had him mocked uh, as a late second, I think, to the Chiefs, like number 63 overall, which, of course, would have been – a complete pipe dream, you know, it would have been like the absolute ideal scenario. But I mean, I, I knew that he wasn't really going to be a first round pick, you know, at, at that point. And I thought he would probably be like a day two pick. He did wind up going with the first pick of on day three. 
So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have any draft capital or any draft investment. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that's, that's something that we, we definitely need to be cognizant of when we're doing like pre-draft, when we're setting our pre-draft expectations, uh, particularly in Dynasty, is like you have to understand that the NFL is not always going to agree with, you know, um, us like uh, in, in the draft, sort of the draft Twitter community. Um, who, who are all exchanging ideas. And there's a lot of groupthink in the NFL itself. And there's also a lot of groupthink on Twitter. So, you know, those are kind of competing against each other, I, I guess, especially in a, in a case where it was so polarizing with Akeem Butler. And, hey, you know, I, I had you, uh, McDowell, on, 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 uh, on, on the show on the feast with Ross. We, we got into it. Um, you know, we, we delved into a lot of these topics and I mean, it very much came to fruition with Hakeem Butler. He was drafted lower than expected. But uh, again, I, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes in dynasty rookie drafts because I know that a lot of the community puts a lot of stock into draft capital, and I definitely think that it's a significant data point. Number one, because it dictates so much opportunity. So much opportunity. Guys that get drafted earlier are going to get more chances to succeed or fail, and guys that. that that are drafted later are not going to get as many chances. Evan, I think that's really well said on Butler. And sitting in the Steelers facility, maybe I was looking through a little bit of black and gold colored glasses, but I think the opposite was true with Deontay Johnson. You know, like I looked at him like, boy, he'll be a nice fifth round pick for somebody. But I think yeah. the league really did like him as an early third. My, my impression is that the NFL is down on big receivers yeah. in general. Yeah. And it's for a lot of different reasons. I think that one of them is just recency bias because we've seen a lot of big receivers fail since that 2014 class whether it be you know Kevin White or Rashad Perryman or Josh Doxson or you know Corey Davis has you know he's flashed to us but he hasn't met expectations Mike Williams sort of took a step forward last year he scored a lot of touchdowns but you know he hasn't met expectations of the number seven overall pick Kelvin Benjamin is out of the league you know so I think that there is a, a sense like and we saw that with McCole Hardman and Deontay Johnson especially those were smaller receivers that didn't have as much buzz but you know the NFL really went after them Marquise Brown was a first round pick DK Metcalf a, a big receiver fell you know Hakeem Butler of course was uh, the textbook exam example of it but I think that it's there's some recency bias, but I, that that is driving that. But I also think that there is some legitimate on-field truth to it because teams every year are playing more man coverage. You know who is getting separation against man coverage? It's little dudes who are super super quick and you know can uh, you know and and are excellent route runners. And it's not necessarily big receivers like Hakeem Butler and, and DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to route running and timing and the ball yes. comes out so quick and exploding out of your brakes and sharp out routes and things like that that just the big loping guys don't do as well and it takes them a while. Um, Ryan, I want to tell everyone about Reality Sports Online if that works for you. They're good buddies of the show. But by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap functionality, and way more. It sounds, like, it sounds super complicated, doesn't it? But it really isn't at all. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy front office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're amongst the fantasy elite, and you probably do if you're listening to the three of us, well, this is a platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code BLUEPRINT, all lowercase, all one word, to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Evan, you've talked before about... Uh, just generally considering rookies to be overvalued in, in dynasty leagues. And uh, I think it's probably fair to say that you use more of a short-term uh, point of view when you're building your own dynasty teams. So you talked already about trading down in this draft class. Would you just be trading out altogether and looking for some veterans? Yeah. I mean, everything needs to be, you know, assessed on a, on a case by case basis, of course, you know, 
But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a good strategy in every year, every year. And because we have a lot of uncertainty this year, because look, offensive skill position players were not going early in the draft. I mean, the first wide receiver was taken 32nd overall. The first running back was taken, what, 24th overall. Um, Hawkinson, of course, went number eight, and Noah Fant went number 20. Um, but, you know, they're tight ends, and they don't have as much value in fantasy football. So, yeah, I mean, I would be willing – I would absolutely be, you know, especially willing this year, I think, to listen to trade offers for veterans, you know, um, in ex- that have Future shown picks. that they can produce in the NFL in exchange for – uh, pretty much any draft pick, you know, any, any rookie draft pick. And I think that that is the case almost every year. But I, I would say, yeah, I, I would say that especially so this year. Ryan, do you see a couple dead spots too? Like, I know we're going to get into our rankings, but I just traded 1-3 because I didn't like them. I, I thought that was kind of a dead spot. I think you get to like one six, one seven, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm not getting the guys I'm doing cartwheels for here. Yeah, we're we're certainly starting to see some. And uh, we've already got uh, already got some rookie ADP going, and yeah, some certainly some major surprises as far as running backs gaining value uh, compared to pre-draft, and and some of these wide receivers that fell. Evan talked about them, um, Metcalf and Butler and others are are certainly losing value. Butler's still a fringe first round guy, which I, I was a little surprised by uh, when you're looking at rookie drafts. So. Uh, as far as far as dead spots specifically, um, I don't know if it's so much as dead spots as just big tiers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if if you're looking from from one three down to probably two three something like that, that's one big tier. So you know how good do you feel about taking a guy at three or four that might go ten or eleven or twelve in another draft? It, it just it feels like a little bit uh, of a value loss. It seems like now's the time to, I mean, it's still kind of fresh. Might have missed the boat a little, but if you have 1-3 or 1-4 and you could turn it into 1-8 or 1-9 or 1-10 and something, you might want to strike while that iron's hot right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, let's get into our rankings. Uh, basically, what we're going to do is uh, run through these one at a time. We hope to get at least through our top 12, which would be uh, the first round of most uh, rookie drafts. And we'll share those, comment on those. Evan, I know you've put yours out. Matt, I think yours are, are over at four for four. They are. Mine, yeah. of course, are on DLF, and we'll share them here. Evan, who's your number one overall rookie for Dynasty Rookie Drafts? I'm going with Josh Jacobs. Going with Josh Jacobs. Um, he did not check every box for me before the draft. You know, he was never a big workload guy at Alabama. I think he topped out at 120 carries um, as his single season high. Wasn't even a starter over Damian Harris. But I think that, you know, he was always a trust the tape kind of player for me because I think that when you watch him play, dude is good. You know, dude is a really good between the tackles back. Um, I think he's got enough speed. Um, I think that he uh, is a really good pass catcher and a ferocious pass blocker, and that's going to endear him to coaches and get him on the field early. Um and where they took him, I mean, they, you know, they used a first round pick on a running back. They loved him throughout the process. Like we, it was amazing. Everyone knew that they were going to take Josh Jacobs. Like that was the most telegraphed pick of the like entire draft almost at number 24. Um, so they, they loved him throughout the process. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to kind of push my chips in with Josh Jacobs on what I saw when I watched him play. Um, on the draft capital that the team invested into him and into his opportunity because he's got a boatload of opportunity uh, with the Raiders. And I think that he, they, they are going to envision him as a guy that right away, they're going to put the ball in his belly, you know, 220 times and they're going to give him a chance to catch like 40 or 50 passes. Yeah. I think that's the question we have to have is he's, he certainly never had a workload like that. Uh, He didn't in college. But he's, he's going to have that opportunity now. I, I don't think anybody really expected Isaiah Crowell to be much of a challenge, and now even he is out of the way. So this this is certainly Jacob's job to run with. And even if you have those doubts about him uh, as a prospect when it comes to his production or his, uh, his backup role at Alabama, 
I think at worst he's he's the top three asset in this class. Matt, is Jacobs your number one guy? Yeah, and he has been pretty much every step of the way. I think the draft helped his stock where it hurt some others that I were considering, namely Butler. And I think the Raiders have a chance to be a pretty good offense. Yeah, a lot of times we, we might have wanted to avoid the Raiders team mm-hmm. in general, but uh, of course they've made a ton of changes. And uh, I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but things are looking up for sure. And, and we can feel a little bit better about having pieces of that offense. Uh, so Jacobs is not my number one rookie. Um, my 101, if, if that's the pick I have, top-ranked guy is Nikhil Harry. Uh, of course, drafted by the Patriots with the last pick in the first round. And a, a, another guy who's going to have plenty of opportunity. We know about Gronkowski. We don't know about Josh Gordon. But uh, that, that uncertainty, I think, lends even more value to Harry at this point in the offseason. And uh, I think he can do it all for them. He can play in or out. He's probably, of course, going to start out on the outside uh, as, a, as a big target. And I always build my teams around wide receiver anyway. Harry kind of feels like a slam dunk, honestly. We, we ran 10 mock drafts for DLF as soon as the draft, the NFL draft was over. Uh, Harry was the 101 in nine of them. Jacobs was the 101 in the other one. So I don't expect that kind of domination when it comes to his ADP. I think it'll be a 50-50 split at least, or maybe even Jacobs with the edge. But uh, at the one spot, Harry is, is my guy. Evan, let's let's move on. Is Harry second for you? Or are you going with another running back? Maybe. See, I have the top four guys, kind of, or the top five guys, really, in their own tier. Um, and my number two, and I really went back and forth on this. And I, I'm, I, you know, these, this is a super rough draft rankings. Yeah. I, I haven't even really sat down and done full write ups on all the guys yet. And at that point, I might switch guys up, you know, one or two spots up or down, up or down the board. But for me, I had Miles Sanders at number two. Um, I thought he looked the part of a three-down back coming out of Penn State. I liked him early on, you know, right when I started watching guys. I thought he reminded me of Devontae Freeman, a little bit bigger version of Devontae Freeman, but another guy who could pass block, who could catch passes, and who could run between the tackles. Um, He had a ball security issue uh, that's fairly significant, but – you know, those are fixable. I mean, look at what happened last year with Sony Michelle. You know, he, I mean, and that happens every year. You know, ball security, I want to know about guys' fumble rates, but I don't necessarily think that that's predictive of what's going to happen in the NFL. He's going to have much better coaching uh, in Philadelphia. Um, not to say, not to diminish Penn State's coaching, but, you know, he he's going to be under the guise of NFL coaches now. He's going to just a smart, reliable, bankable organization that in an offense that's going to score a lot of points that is forward thinking about their offensive line. I mean, shoot, they've got a top five offensive line on paper heading into the draft. They go and trade up for Andre Dillard. And, you know, that's a long-term thing that they're, that, that, you know, they're going to keep that fortified. Um, So I, I just, I think he's a high floor pick. I think people will talk about, Hey, you know, he's probably going to be sort of a committee back just based on their history. But, you know, they really have not had, like, big-time backs uh, since they got rid of LeSean McCoy. I mean, we're talking about Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and LeGarrette Blunt and, you know, Jay Ajayi really, you know, had a lot of limitations even. And, you know, they just have not had a big-time three-down back. And I think that he can sort of give them that, um, and Jordan Howard, although he is an initial threat, probably in short yarded situations, you know, he's also in a contract year. I highly doubt they resign him after this season. Uh, so I'm kind of going with the floor and the positional value, um, of, of, of a three down running back with, you know, entering a high scoring offense. Yeah. I, I love to hear you say that, especially the point about, um, the the committee that the Eagles have used in recent years because that is that's one of the knocks or the concerns I've heard about Sanders since he was drafted and and I totally agree with you I think that has that has more to do with the running backs that they've had on that roster over the past three or four years and uh, just just looking at and listening to some of those names you said I think Sanders is maybe already better than any of those guys uh, and or certainly at least can be. 
he's he's my number two overall rookie as well. So uh, that means I actually have him as my RB one over Josh Jacobs. So uh, love everything you said there, Matt. Who is your second ranked rookie? Um, just real quick, I have Sanders four. And not that I disagree with you guys, but I do think the fumbling's real, and if you end up in the doghouse, that's a nasty place to be. And maybe I put a little more stock in the whole committee thing up till now as well. Um, And I also think, I know Howard probably only is around one more year, but I think he's a good running back. I know he doesn't offer anything in the passing game, and he'd be built for 1985, but efficiency behind that line, a good passing game, Howard might be their better player this year in terms of fantasy production, but I see what you guys are saying. Don't get me wrong. Um, I have Harry number two, and I agree with everything you said. I love his versatility, his size, his after the catch, and I had a really good conversation with Mark Schofield, who's dialed into the Patriots in a big way, and I was talking to him, and I said, well, clearly he's not Welker or Edelman, but he's really good out of the slot. He's not Josh Gordon or Moss as an outside guy, but he'll line up there. And I wonder if they look at him more as an Aaron Hernandez, you know, as a move all around, big bodied, not afraid to block, wham blocks, things like that. And Mark really liked that idea. And then he sprinkled in, yeah, but throw in a little Corderell Patterson too, you know, give him the bubble screen and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good use for Harry. And, And I could see that. But my reservation there, though, and he is number two on mine, that's a tough system for rookie rookie receivers. I mean, Brady's had that phone book of a playbook for a million years, and it's just not easy to you know throw, get thrown into New England and know it all. Yeah, yeah, that, those are those are fair concerns. Uh, I think again, looking at ADP, Harry and Jacobs, whichever order you prefer them, have basically locked themselves into those top two spots and maybe created a tier. Evan, who's your number three guy? You know what, Ryan? Before you do, speaking of Harry, I can't oh, help yeah. myself, but I have to tell people about Harry's. Uh, Harry's I use every day. I've told you guys this many times. I used to, you know, my face would break out when I'd use a straight razor, so I went to a, a, an electric, and it just doesn't do the job until I ran into Harry's. They sponsored a previous podcast I did, and I am totally hooked. So you need to, like I did, you need to join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty, all caps. Harry's founders were tired of paying up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew they had a great shave, doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads and flex balls and all that nonsense. So they decided, you know, just to... The, the, fix, the, fix that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a very fair price. So Harry's brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews. Harry's replacement cartridges are only $2 each, and that's half the price of a Gillette Fusion Pro Shield blade. They come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, just let them know, and they'll give you a full ref- refund. So here's what you do. Get your $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, a weighted, wonderful handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strips and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that smells great, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for free when you when you use you go to the trial set, get that trial set by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show. Masterful. Um, by the way, I just wanted to say, I've always been a sucker that just used the worst razors ever oh. and just carved up my face and go places with my face bleeding. And then it was actually going route to the combine where uh, Williamson and I uh, got to hang out, had a blast. Um, we, uh, I bought a Harry's razor and it was incredible. Um, I mean, it was like a life-changing moment. I was like, I can't believe how, how awesome this is. And you, you get like a pack of, you know, uh, great other um, accessories. So, yeah, I, I, would definitely, I would definitely hook it up with that. But I, I could jump into my number three right now, though. Yep, let's do it. Cool. Um, geez, I had David Montgomery at number three ahead of Enkeel Harry. I just put an emphasis on the running backs early, guys that have a chance to be true feature backs, in good situations. I think that the Bears are a well-run organization. I put stock in that. Um, in the short term, they're returning uh, five of five offensive line starters, so I like to see that. Um, 
you know, he is like a, a Jordan Howard deluxe, I think, as a guy who's going to break tackles and catch passes. They, they love him as a dude. I mean, they traded up for him, you know, always like that as just like a little a little green dot on him, you know, when when um, when he's trade up for guys. And uh, like the, we'll get to Nicole Hartman, the Chiefs traded up for him. But uh, David Marmer, I think, is a guy who can step in right away and be. And I think that, you know, they've kind of uh, typecast or stereotyped Tariq Cohen as a guy that is not going to be a huge part of their running game and is going to be a week to week kind of conundrum in terms of his usage. Is certainly a big time playmaker, but they're going to continue to use him on returns. I think that they're looking at. You know, this is going to be like a, a David Montgomery, Mike Davis sort of backfield for the next couple of years. And uh, I think he's another really high floor pick uh, and d- doesn't have quite as much of the bust potential that Inkeel Henry does. But he'll, he'll be my 104, and I'll, I'll talk about him next after you guys are done. So do you see, do you see uh, Tariq Cohen kind of taking a step back as far as his production? I'm not sure I, I would go like that far, but I do think that they have settled on the fact that he's more of like a gadget niche player. Yeah. You know, there was some discussion of like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see them commit to Tariq Cohen as like their Christian McCaffrey, you know, after they traded Jordan Howard. But, you know, I, I think that they're not going to do that. They invested a decent amount of money in Mike Davis. They, dra- they traded up to draft David Montgomery. They took another dude, Kareth White. Uh, later in the draft, and, and I think that you know they, it's just Tariq, Tariq Cohen almost plays his own position, um, whereas David Montgomery and Mike Davis are going to be um, yeah, the, the number one and the number two at the true running back position. Yeah, that's fair. Matt, who's your third guy? Yeah, I think that's really well said. I also have Montgomery at three. I think that's exactly how they'll use Cohen, which is still very valuable for real-life football. And to take it one step further, I kind of think Montgomery might have a Kareem Hunt-like rookie impact. And I need to go look at the Vegas odds, but I assume that he's not at the top of the list for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And assuming he's not one or two, I'm going to put a ducat on Montgomery to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I can see him ended up with 1,600 total yards in that neighborhood. Wow. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, pretty sure Kyler's topping yeah, that yeah. list right now. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to continue to be a little different. One, one step off, you guys. We've already talked about Josh Jacobs. He's my 1.03. But you, you both have me reconsi- reconsidering my, uh, my David Montgomery rank. We'll, we'll talk about him more in a second. Evan, number four. Number four is where I have in Keel Harry. Seriously considered putting him at number, one, at number 1.02. You guys both have him there. That's probably where his ADP is going to end up. And, I, I mean, I, I – wouldn't fault anyone for that. Um, I just think that his floor is a little bit lower. Um, you know, he is uh, one of the big receivers, and, and we have seen a lack of success uh, among those recently in the NFL. The Patriots have not drafted wide receivers well, period, over the years. I'm not sure, you know, how predictive that is um, going forward, but it is kind of factual, you know, uh, from a, like a hindsight, just looking back standpoint. Um, I didn't love his game coming out. Uh, I, you know, he, he doesn't move real well in a short area. Um, he really is physical though. And he's great after the catch. He averaged well over seven yards, uh, after the catch per reception at Arizona state. He's got good hands. He's a clasher. He's, you know, he's real physical. I mean, he's, he's a fun player to watch, you know? Um, but he didn't get really, he didn't get open very much in, in the Pac-12, and a lot of his production came on screen passes. And you know, I just I didn't love him as a prospect. So maybe I'm having a little bit of take lock here. Uh, but and and I again, I would not discourage anyone from taking him at 1.02, 1.02. But in my personal rankings, I I did start off with three straight running backs. Yeah, no, Evan. We we talked uh, prior to the draft, and we were talking about some pre-draft ADP in, in these rookie mocks. And w- when I told you Harry was the number one guy, I remember you, you were pretty surprised by that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, he checks a lot of those like analytical boxes, you know, he's right. got the early breakout age. He's got a ton of, you know, spread spreadsheet production. You know, he's, I mean, I get it. I, I totally get it with him. 
Um, and I, I think he's a good pick, but you know, just I just have him behind the RBs. Matt, you already told us Miles Sanders was your yeah. number four overall player, so I'll I'll skip over to mine. Uh, I've got a guy at number four that I, I think is lower on most lists, certainly lower on your alls. Uh, I've got AJ Brown, Tennessee wide receiver. Uh, loved him as a prospect. Uh, he was he was my wide receiver too behind Harry pre-draft. I kept him there. Not really scared of the Tennessee landing spot. Uh, again, we're we're thinking dynasty. I don't. I'm not necessarily confident in that year one. Uh, year one production. But beyond that, I, I think we're either going to see Marcus Mariota turn it around and get right and, and be uh, live up to the 1.02 pick that he was in the NFL, or we're going to see him replaced. So either way, I think 2020 and beyond is going to be good for A.J. Brown. I think he's better than Corey Davis right now already. Uh, I'd rather have him in Dynasty than Corey Davis. Pretty happy to get him at 1.04 and, and certainly happy to take him any later than that. I got him eight overall in my first rookie draft that I've done. Uh, Evan, who's your number five guy? Okay, my number five guy ooh, is Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell wow. um, drafted with the 27th pick in the second round. Um, you know, go watch the, the Colts on the clock series. They love this dude. Um, yep. They had, what, I think, three second-round picks. I could just see it in his eyes that Frank Reich wanted Harris Campbell with their second second rounder, but they took Ben Banagoo out of TCU, pass rusher, or Banogu, and um, I, I think that Frank Reich was nervous about that, but they wound up getting Paris Campbell anyway, and after that, uh, Frank Reich was like, you know, three for three, baby. We, we got we got everybody that we want, you know, in the second round. Uh, and then they got Bobby Okariki later, who they uh, almost considered taking in the second round had Paris Campbell not been there. And uh, they got him, too. So they, they had a hell of a draft. And, again, I like to put stock in uh, bankable organizations, and I think the Colts are very much that, especially from a long-term standpoint. I think he's going to have no problem at all beating out Chester Rogers to be their slot receiver. Uh, I've heard some things that they, they're a little concerned about T.Y. Hilton's body breaking down a little bit, um, which I think is very understandable based on, you know, what, what he's gone through the past couple of years. Um, and, you know, you're hooking up a dude with Andrew Luck, and I think you can get immediate and long-term production out of Paris Campbell. Wasn't the perfect guy on tape. That's why he went you know, kind of late in the second round. Um, he did not have a diverse route tree whatsoever at Ohio State. It was very much used like Percy Harvin uh, a long time ago and then Curtis Samuel recently by Urban Meyer. And the dude just spent, you know, games running drag routes and running routes into the flat and, you know, making plays but not making plays downfield. There was a statistic he made. He caught like two two passes in his entire career that had 20 or more air yards. You know, he was just very much an underneath guy. But you know what? He can run underneath and make plays in the NFL, too. And I think that he fits immediately into the Colts offense. I think that he is a, a good – I think he's going to help you in the short term and has big-time upside in the long term if, you know, that the health starts to really become an issue for uh, T.Y. Hilton. Campbell kind of reminds me uh, situationally of, of Josh Jacobs at running back. You're, you're taking these two players – who didn't show that they could could do it in college, Jacobs being an every down back, Campbell being a deep threat, and, and now it looks like that's what their teams want them to do in the NFL. Uh, it sounds like you're not too concerned about that transition, but should dynasty owners in general with both of those players, but specifically with Campbell, sh- should we be worried about that? Coming from huge yeah. programs, though, too. It's not like they came from Akron. You know, my impression of the Ohio State offense is they just, like, kind of give guys certain roles. You know, they're not – I mean, Terry McLaurin had a certain role. You know, Paris Campbell had a certain role. And they just don't ask them to do a lot of different things. And that's a concern when you watch them. It's, you know, something to put on on your profile of the player and you understand that, you know, they had limitations in terms of their usage. Um See, I think he's going to be a slot receiver, though. 
you know, T.Y. Hilton, his slot percentage went way down last year. He was only like 25% uh, in Frank Reich's first year. I think he's going to be a perimeter receiver. And I think that Devin Funchess is going to be a big-body possession receiver, but mostly on the outside. And I think that Paris Campbell is going to be their slot receiver. And I, I think that that's a ready-made role for him. Matt, who's your fifth-ranked rookie? Well, I had Campbell at eight and thought I'd be the highest on him. But I had DK Metcalf at five, kind of reluctantly, because I didn't love him going in. But I keep thinking about Baldwin's probably not going to play again and has fallen apart. They need receivers. I, Wilson's such a good deep passer. I think the situation's really good for him. They're going to love him as a blocker in the run game. I'd, I mean, I would probably trade out at five if those four were gone, but Metcalf's my five. All right, and I've got David Montgomery at five. Uh, as I said, you guys are, are making me uh, second-guess that one. May, may end up flip-flopping him and A.J. Brown. And, yeah, Evan, you talked about tweaking your rankings. Matt and I were talking about that before the show. I think every time I look at my rankings, I make some changes. So we, oh, won't, yeah. we won't hold you to this. But as of right now, as of this moment, who is your number six rookie? I got Kyler Murray. Nice. <laughs> and I know that. Yeah, and I know that. Look, people are going to frown on this because he's a quarterback, and, and I, I get it. I'm not like a early round quarterback truther or something. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think he can be a difference maker, though. You know, we go back and we look. Hey, should Pat Mahomes have gone in the middle of the first round? Should you know? Russell Wilson have gone in the middle of the first round? Should Deshaun Watson have gone in the middle of the first round? And, man, I think he has a chance to be able to produce like those guys. In Cliff Kingsbury's offense, I think that um, he's going to be just really dynamic, especially as a – well, I think he's going to be a dynamic passer, but I think he's going to be a really dynamic runner too, and they're going to put him in, you know, a spread spread offense as much as Cliff Kingsbury can – possibly incorporate, you know, coming from Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury played at Texas Tech, and he coached there, and, you know, he came up under Mike Leach. And um, I love the the talent that they added around him. They really, really invested in that. I know the offensive line is not where it needs to be yet, but I also think that he's going to make the offensive line look better, uh, you know, just by virtue of his mobility. I mean, Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen are not making any – they're not doing anything except for making offensive line look worse. And I think that Kyler Murray can be the opposite of that. Now, you know, now we talk now we get into the the debate of the positional value. Um, And I, you know, I totally get people having him lower, but I think he can be a true difference maker at one position. And, you know, I think it was a mistake for, you know, and for, for me in particular to not have Pat Mahomes high enough in my dynasty rookie rankings to not have Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson high enough in my rookie rankings. And I think that he can score fantasy points like those guys can. Maybe not Mahomes, but, you know, he can be a, a week-to-week difference maker at the quarterback position. Ryan, real quick, in Superflex, is he a yeah. slam dunk, easy 101? Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, I yeah, would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. not even really a discussion, even yeah. with, uh, you know, with a good – Landing spot for Jacobs and and Harry, whatever. No, Mine close, it's yeah. Murray one hundred and one. Yeah, I figured. And and in fact, even looking at our one quarterback ADP, uh, he's he's in the first round. Which, I mean, we we haven't seen. I don't think we've seen a quarterback with a first round ADP since uh, Luck and RG three. They they both were uh, pretty consistently drafted in the first round, and it hasn't really happened since. Uh, so so Kyler's breaking the mold there a little bit. Matt, who is your number six rookie? Uh, Hakeem Butler. I, I don't think his landing spot's a bad one. Sit there and learn from Larry a little bit. Tricks of the trade. A lot of four receiver sets. Evan just talked about the offense being a good one. I mean, he was my one-two before the draft, so I'm not going to – I mean, I still like him the same I saw, even if the NFL disagreed with me to some degree. And, yeah, he was a fourth-round pick, but he was – what the first or second pick in the fourth or first pick in the fourth round? Yeah, still a top hundred guy. I mean, I still like him a lot. All right, so I, I uh, I've got a different guy than each of you, which again just shows what we were talking about at the start of this conversation. That this is one big tier. You're going to get a player at four in one in one league. He'll fall to the second round in another. I've got JJ Arcega Whiteside here. Uh, a lot of the Ooh. things that. Evan said about the Eagles offense and, and the Eagles coaching staff in general, 
uh, gives me some confidence in our Sega White side. You look at their receivers, of course, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson are their main guys. Those two guys are not getting any younger by any means. And uh, I think they're basically done with, ne- with Nelson Aguilar. So I'm not too worried about him as far as competition. Our Sega White side might be another guy we're a year away on, but I, I love his future, just a touchdown machine in that offense. All right, Evan, let's go back to you, number seven. Yeah, and, you know, this is really where it starts to get to be the wild, wild west. You know, yeah. we kind of largely agreed on at least the players that should be up top. You know, we didn't have them in the same exact order or whatever. But, I mean, like I got McCole Hardman at number seven overall, and I wouldn't be surprised if – actually, I think, Ryan, you, you put out some ADP. He was like maybe mid-second round in, in very early ADP or – yeah. Early second round. Yeah. And I, I have no problem admitting that this is just a situation chase. Like I'm just chasing a situation, um, you know, which has paid off before and it's also really backfired. So I think that he's like the, maybe the most boom bust dynasty pick on the board um, this year. And, you know, I wasn't super high on him coming out. I, I thought that he would. Uh, oh, my comparison was Marquise Goodwin as like a guy who maybe could be like a situational vertical receiver. You love to see the return production. Now I had him as the best punt returner in the draft. You And you love to see, you know, guys that are just good with the ball in their hands. And again, you're kind of trusting an organization and you're, you're that, that has been, you know, they've, they've fallen on some troubled times this off season, you know, but uh, they've been pretty good over the years at, at least playing offense and maximizing what they've had offensively and they traded up to go get him. And, you know, if Tyreek Hill is out of the picture, then McCole Hardman has a boatload of opportunity and a quarterback that is going to elevate the players around him. Um, So, and I know that a lot of people are very, very, you know, invested in their pre-draft evaluations. And I totally get that because that's, you know, very much a big part of my process too. But man, I want to got I want to have guys attached to great offenses too. And Nicole Hardman landed. I mean, you could not dream up a better landing spot for any wide receiver than what Nicole Hardman got uh, going to KC. Yeah, absolutely. And and not just the landing spot, but the situation, the timing of the situation for how it would impact his his dynasty value as as you mentioned Tyreek Hill and of course that uh, that all was uh, I, I guess coming back to the front of our mind and, and the top of the uh, the news and, and things like that with the audio uh, recording that was released. So I don't have any problem with Hardman as a first rounder or even as a mid first rounder. As you mentioned that that early ADP did have him in the second round, but to me this was this was the wow moment of the draft from a dynasty perspective because this is a guy in our pre draft ADP that was being drafted. 43rd overall in rookie drafts. Now he's being drafted 16 overall. Evan has him seven. I have him nine. Uh, Matt, where do you have McCall Hardman? Same spot, seven. And okay, for all the same reasons. I mean, the number one reason is because Tyreek Hill's a total scumbag. And if he was a wonderful person, I would not have McKeel Hardman at seven. Um, and the Chiefs told I mean, no one lies on draft day. They traded up in the second round to get this guy. And I don't know that his floor is a disaster either. Like, what if Hill does get off the hook and lasts a year or two until he does something else terrible? Then Hardman's the number three receiver on Kansas City with an often injured Sammy Watkins in his way. I mean, that's worst case scenario. That's not so bad. Yeah, not at all. I don't have Hardman at seven. I've, as I said, I've got him nine, a little bit lower. I've done uh, so far... One rookie draft, one rookie auction. I've got two shares of Nicole Hardman, so maybe I need to move him up in my ranks. Uh, at seven, I had DK Metcalf. Really echo a lot of what you said, Matt. I think, uh, again, time, uh, it's a timing situation. We hear as the draft is starting that Doug Baldwin's career may be over. Uh, obviously, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for the Seahawks. But as you said, they don't, they don't lie on draft day, and uh, I believe they traded up as well to secure that pick and get DK Metcalf. Let's move on to the number eight uh, rank. Evan, who's your guy there? Yeah, that's was interesting about me. Cole Hardman. We, we were like all pretty much on the same page about him. Yep. Um, 
Number nine, number eight, I have Debo Samuel of San Francisco. Um, he is, I think he fits exactly what they want to do. They, they have guys that they want to play at multiple wide receiver positions. Dante Pettis checks that box. Shoot, they went out and got Jalen Hurd. He played running back and slot receiver uh, over the course of his college career. Um, you know, Debo Samuel, I think, is in a, a guy that can have another guy that can have immediate fantasy impact in San Francisco. And then uh, long term, he can also be um, an asset. I, I think he's a high floor kind of high upside uh, prospect in San Francisco. I think he's primarily going to play slot receiver. He reminded me a lot of Golden Tate coming out of college. And um, yeah, I, I just I, I like his floor and his ceiling. I think the Tate comp, uh, comparison makes a lot of sense. Samuel is a guy that's actually outside of my top 12. Uh, got some injury concerns, a little bit older than most of these other prospects we're talking about. Uh, in a in a tier that is so tightly packed, those are enough to move him down slightly for me. Uh, we've already talked about Paris Campbell. He's Matt's number eight player. He's also my number eight player. I just Evan, throw we'll- one note on him if you don't mind. Sure. The only reason I don't have him higher, because like, I agree with everything Evan said. I could just see 2019 not being his year. You know, Ebron, Naheem Hines, they bring in Funches, Hilton. Maybe he's fourth or fifth leading receiver this year, learns some things, becomes a more developed, deeper route runner, and then next year, look out. Yeah, yep, that's fair. That's fair. We'll go right back to Evan for his number nine ranked rookie. Number nine, uh, I have Marquise Brown, who I think that, you know, the landing spot is absolutely a concern, but it could also make him an incredible value because especially if Lamar Jackson takes a step as a passer and Lamar Jackson came out of Louisville. He's very, very young. He's very, very raw. We saw that he, I mean, he struggled mightily as a passer, as a rookie. Um, but also you go back and look at his Louisville career. He got better as a passer every year there. So, I mean, there's definitely growth potential with him. And they're all in on him. I mean, they dedicated so much of this draft to making sure that his life is a little bit easier by, you know, uh, trading up for Miles Boykin, trading back and still getting Marquise Brown in the first round, um, adding Justice Hill. Uh, who is another explosive playmaker. They added a lot of speed and athleticism uh, to their offensive skill position core. And Lamar Jackson obviously has a lot of speed and athleticism as well. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I would love to hear your guys' takes on Marquise Brown when we arrive uh, to, to, uh, to him in, in your rankings because he's a guy that I, I wanted to see. I don't know. I, I just – I really could see it going – one of two or you know either of those ways where he's just not getting targets and he's super inconsistent and he's you know John Brown in the second half of last year or I could see it you know with the glass half full approach Lamar Jackson takes a step forward Marquise Brown is getting a lot of targets they form a, an on-field bond and no one can cover Marquise Brown you, you know I, I just it's uh, he's maybe the most interesting player to analyze in this entire dynasty rookie first round. Yeah, I really think he is as well. And we, we've never seen anything like it, at least that I can remember. He's, he's the wide receiver one off the board in the NFL draft and everything saw in the, in the days and the couple of weeks leading up to the draft told us that's, that was going to be the case. And it played out that way in rookie ADP. He's wide receiver eight. Seven guys being drafted ahead of him, including fourth rounder Hakeem Butler. So mm. it, it's just, I get the concerns with Lamar Jackson. I also totally agree with what you said, Evan. I've said it before. I'm I'm here in Louisville. If you think his rookie season was rough, you should have seen his the the, the end of his freshman season. It was a disaster. It was painful to watch, uh, and and he certainly did get better. Uh, every season at Louisville, I expect he will continue to get better. And uh, my take on Brown is is not really a unique one. It comes down to Lamar Jackson. If he does improve, then Brown's going to be a steal as as the wide receiver eight in the second round of these dynasty rookie drafts. It's funny because I have A.J. Brown nine, 
And I just want to just glance, you know, gloss over him real quick, just because I don't think that the Titans are going to be a high-volume passing attack. They haven't been the last three years. And I think I'm higher on Corey Davis than you are, Ryan. But then I have Marquise at 10. And I, and I was a Lamar Jackson believer last year. And boy, was he bad throwing the ball. I guess, I guess I'm holding on faith to what I saw at Louisville, that he's going to be a better passer. Never a great one, but better than last year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I had Hardman nine, as I have already mentioned. Evan, who is number 10 for you? Uh, Daryl Henderson. Something's up here with, with Todd Gurley. You know, we, we've <laughs> had reports. I mean, obviously, everybody is aware of what happened last year in the playoffs. We've had reports that he has an arthritic knee. We've had reports that teams anticipated him having an arthritic knee when he was coming out of Georgia. And, you know, the chickens have kind of come home to roost here with him. And the Rams, you know, they, the Lions signed Malcolm Brown to a restricted free agent offer sheet. And the Rams never really invested anything in Malcolm Brown. I mean, he was an undrafted free agent. You know, it's not like he's out here playing a lot. And they matched the offer sheet. So that's like a relevant, you know, decision there. That, And then they trade up for Daryl Henderson at the top of the third round. So, I mean, you know, as you guys mentioned, like t- – GMs teams can lie in press conferences. They can't lie with their free agent pickups. They can't lie with what they're doing in the draft. And uh, you know they're they're tell they're screaming something at us here. And I, I know that they said after the draft publicly that they view Daryl Henderson as just purely a change of pace back. You know opinions like that can change. Number one and number two, I, I'm not so sure that that that's how I view him. Um, I, because he was a, a, a workhorse at Memphis, and he could play in the passing game. And he's super, super explosive. I mean, averaged over eight yards per carry this past year, uh, tied for the highest yards per carry average in NCAA history since 1956. Um, and going to you know going to play for an offensive mastermind again, another situation where you're investing in a good offense and a team that went out of its way aggressively to acquire this player. Evan, if he was the man there too, he would tear it up. I mean, oh my god, right? And See, I, like his ceiling is so high, so high. And so high. then, then you hear things like, "We're going to play two running backs on the field together." You sure you are? <laughs> yeah, like I almost believe it. <laughs> right? Yeah, Evan. While while we're talking about that, uh, I've I've thrown out a lot of ADP numbers here. We're collecting our startup ADP as we do every month at DLF. And right now, Todd Gurley has fallen uh, predictably, but he's still a first rounder. He's 10th overall. If you're in a startup dynasty draft, mm. are you spending a first rounder on Todd Gurley right now? I mean, hell no. <laughs> not not just no. No. <laughs> like you taking Melvin Gordon ahead of him and Chubb and Mixon, those type of guys? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. Yep, there's there's some definite concern there. All right, Matt, you mentioned you've got Marquise Brown at number 10. I've got the first tight end. I've got TJ Hawkinson at 10. Uh, obviously went very early to the Lions. Um, not a situation I'm confident in, I'll, I'll be honest, but I love Hawkinson as a player late in the first round. I think it, I think it's a, a fair time to take a take a shot on him but just the way they used Ebron I know we're talking different coaching staffs obviously but uh, we've got the same quarterback there so I'm, I don't know maybe I'm talking myself out of that pick uh, but I've, I've got Hawkinson at 10 right now uh, we will move on Evan number 11 yeah number 11 uh, oh I have AJ Brown and you know I'm totally with you guys on his evaluation he I'm I'm probably overemphasizing the situation here. Um, I think you guys already did a really good job of just breaking him down. Don't really anticipate big-time year one impact. I wish that he was going to play slot receiver in Tennessee. I loved him in the slot at Ole Miss. But, I mean, they just made a big investment in Adam Humphreys. And so I think that Adam, that A.J. Brown, and, I mean, it seems silly to, you know, kind of use Adam Humphreys against A.J. Brown because A.J. Brown is so much more talented than Adam Humphreys. But, I mean, they paid a lot of money to Adam Humphreys, and he's yeah. going to be playing in the slot for them. He's not going to be playing outside. 
So I just think it could be a, a slow couple years for AJ Brown. Um, I'm not, you know, super high or super low on Corey Davis. Probably, um, you know, and then the quarterback situation. You're right that it could change as soon as 2021. Or I'm sorry, as soon as 2020, because neither Ryan Tannehill nor Marcus Mariota is even under contract uh, for 2020. But that could also lead to, you know, a lot of frustration if they can't because they're not going to be a bad team. I mean, they're not going to bottom out and, oh, go get Tua, you know, and then they're and then they're passing game. I mean, they're not going to be a bad team. You know, they're, I think they're very much a mediocre team that needs the court, the next step quarterback to, you know, arrive at becoming a Super Bowl contender. Um, I just, I, I'm probably adjusting too much for situation. I really, really like AJ Brown as a player. Yeah, that's, that's all fair. And, and again, I, I agree with you that 2019, probably, uh, probably a lost year or red shirt year for Brown, Matt, who is your number 11 rookie? Daryl Henderson. I mean, I think we're gonna have some overlap here, obviously. Um, even if he only gets to start two weeks where, you know, Gurley's inactive. Wow. And I think all the signs are telling you that don't trust Gurley. This is a great offense. Everything Evan said. All right. And uh, number 11, I had Noah Fant. I think once you see TJ Hawkinson, you're going to see Fant uh, very soon after or or maybe vice versa. Maybe Fant goes first. These two guys have been closely uh, valued. Obviously, teammates at Iowa, I think we'll continue to see them uh, basically have almost the exact same uh, Dynasty ADP. Evan, let's finish it up. Who is your number 12 rookie? Hawkinson. And as you mentioned, he is another high floor option, I think. Um, I mean, winning the, the Mackey Award as a redshirt sophomore, I love that about him. Iowa dudes are, you know, they they hit in the NFL. I mean, they have a very high hit rate. They, Iowa doesn't, like, compete for national championships, but they're right up there with, you know, Alabama and you know, Clemson in terms of churning talent, uh, you know, from college into the pros. And um, I like that. You know, I just I, I think he's a real solid pick. I think he is going to be an option option as like a fringe tight end one in year one. And they need that presence in the middle of the field. You know, they made that golden trade trade last year and their offense just fell completely apart. Now they did lose some other guys that also hurt like they lost uh, Marvin Jones or, for a little bit. Um, they lost carry on Johnson. Um, so it wasn't all on golden tape, but not having that presence in the middle of the field, I think it really exacerbated. Uh, it made their offensive line look worse because um, Stafford was holding onto the ball longer and, you know, he did not have that safety blank. And I think that TJ Hawkinson can sort of help replace Golden Tate, what he brought to that offense. All right. You're, you're making me feel a little bit better about my, my Hawkinson ranking at, uh, at number 10. Matt, who did you have at 12? Yeah, so many of these guys are very similar. Like, I would have no problem with taking Hawkinson at 11. But Debo's my 12. Um, okay. I like the landing spot. I like the player. I still think deep down someday Shanahan's going to want his true number one, you know, his Julio, and maybe that happens next offseason. But I think him and Pettis could catch a lot of balls there. Do you think he – I guess I've been – since they made that pick, I've been thinking of Debo and Pettis as as kind of overlapping. A little redundant. uh, Yeah, a little redundant. But the way Evan put it, I think – makes it sound a lot better that they're both so uh, versatile. They can, they can really play anywhere on the field. Thinking about it that way makes a lot more sense. And you got a good guy scheming it up for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. I'll finish up. My last guy uh, in that top 12 is Andy Isabella, uh, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. Of course they took him before Hakeem Butler, but uh, he's, he's not quite getting the love. This is a guy that was really moving up uh, our dynasty ADP pre-draft I like the landing spot, but uh, for the most part, he's looking like an early second rounder. Uh, Evan, any thoughts on Isabella? Okay, this was another guy, although he did wind up going pretty high in the draft. Uh, you know, the Cardinals took him, what, at the end of the second yep. uh, in, the, at, in the pick that they got for Josh Rosen. But he was another guy where, you know, Dynasty Twitter and, you know, draft Twitter were maybe a little higher than him than higher on him than the NFL. And he didn't, again, he didn't get killed uh, in terms of his draft position at all. I think his draft position was real solid, 
But, you know, you hear Daniel Jeremiah talk about him. You hear Lance Zierlein talk about him. Um, uh, even Waldman uh, was, was a little down on Andy Isabella. Um, and I, I get why, because <clears throat> he really didn't stand out to me as a slot receiver. Uh, I didn't think he was very good at breaking tackles after the catch or winning in a short area. And then um, I actually liked him more outside, but um, he he uh, catches the ball with his body a lot. And um, he, um, he I don't I'm not sure that NFL evaluators see him as an outside receiver. So I don't He was just he wound up becoming a difficult guy for me to get the, my finger on the pulse of. And um, I think I have him. Let me see. Let me, let me look where I have him. While you're I looking, I have people that like him compare him to Brandon Cooks. I can yeah, squint. See, man, and see that is that. rich. That's yeah. I can see it, but you're it's right. rich. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah, I can see it, but it's rich. I've got him at. Uh, oh, I got him at eighteen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that that goes along with the same thing that we've been talking about: the depth of that tier. Evan, while we're talking Cardinals. You know, they've, they've got Larry Fitzgerald, who's just a, a year-to-year deal now, but he's he's certainly locking – he's got the slot locked down as mm-hmm. he has uh, on this back part of his career. They bring in Christian Kirk uh, a year ago, who everybody thinks is going to be a great slot receiver, and now they do the same with Isabella. What's what's their game plan here? It, it just feels like they have a lot of inside guys and, and nobody, except maybe Hakeem Butler, to play on the outside. Well, I mean, they got Cliff Kingsbury a coach now. So, yeah. okay. are they going to be going four wide? I mean, I think you so. Know, yeah, I think so too. So, hey, four wide, we need two slot receivers now. A lot of quick know? hitters, run after the catch, get it out of your hands. Yeah. 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 And that also will kind of, um, you know, theoretically at least take some of the, the pressure uh, off the offensive line problems, just getting the ball out of Kyler's hands quickly. Um, and look, all these guys can play inside and out. Christian Kirk was great. Uh, as an outside receiver, as a rookie, um, Andy Isabella. We just talked about him. You know, he. If you're going to uh, kind of compare him to someone as an outside receiver, I think that you know it's we're we're talking like in the Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks range, um, and we we know that he at least has experience in the slot. Akeem Butler led the NCAA in yards gained on 20 plus yard receptions. He was a true downfield threat, and he also dominated in the slot. Uh, Rich Rebar has, has shown some great statistics about Hakeem Butler as a slot receiver. And then they added uh, what Keyshawn Johnson a little bit later, and I mean he's probably just going to compete for a roster spot. But he was super super productive um, in college. But they they added a, they all the guys are kind of versatile and can play inside and out. And I think that kind of suits what Cliff Kingsbury is going to try to do. All right. Great stuff, Evan, as always. We just talk, talked top 12 today. Do you have any uh, any of those later round guys that you like? I don't know how deep you've gone with it yet. Any second, third, fourth rounders? Yeah, yeah. I really like Dexter Williams um, of Green Bay. He was taken really late. I mean, mid to late sixth round. So he's going to have to compete for a roster spot. But – you know, Aaron Jones has not shown reliability um, in terms of his health or and he's also already got a sp- suspension on his resume. And I think we can all kind of agree that Jamal Williams is probably just a guy at this yeah. point. And I really like Dexter Williams before the draft. I thought he was um, I was more impressed than I expected to be when I saw him play. I thought he was one of the best, like just pure runners in the draft. Um, and he, he is a, a guy that bat- battled injuries and suspension, and that certainly hurt his draft slot. But I like him uh, later on. I think that Jalen Hurd going to San Francisco is interesting, and I'm just interested to see, you know, what are the OTA and rookie camp and minicamp reports about him? Where are they using him? Um, Jay Sternberger, also of Green Bay, he went to a really good landing spot he was Greg Cosell's number two tight end in this draft behind only Hawkinson ahead of Fant um and I thought that that's a pretty good landing spot for him uh and then Tony Pollard now the the Cowboys took uh Mike Weber out of Ohio State in the seventh round but you look at their depth chart I mean they've got like Darius Jackson and Mike Weber and Jordan Chun who I don't I've never even seen him play um you know those are the guys directly behind uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard backed up Daryl Henderson at Memphis, uh, had a, an unbelievable, uh, unbelievably uh, efficient 
uh, in terms of his uh, rushing production. And he also had 104 catches in three seasons, which is a hell of a lot for a running back. He also played some slot receiver, and he um, he ran 4-4-2 at his pro day, and he uh, was the best kickoff returner in the draft. So he's great with the ball in his hands, seven career kickoff return touchdowns. And, uh, man, if he can seize that number two running back slot behind Ezekiel Elliott and then, hey, you know, running backs get hurt, uh, he would be really interesting with a, a great amount of versatility. And he does have feature back size. I mean, he's like six foot two ten. Yeah, that's, that's a great call on Pollard. I think he I think he went off the board in the fourth round and fourth or fifth round. And sometimes these guys that were not really on pre-draft we talk so much about paying attention to draft capital, but then guys like Pollard, we just we just ignore. It's it's a great situation. They didn't resign Rod Smith, uh, obviously an opening there, uh, but people are not on Pollard. I haven't really seen him get much attention at all in in these early rookie drafts. The first mention that I ever saw from him was when I read Gil Brandt's top one fifty. I'd never heard of heard of him honestly you know I'm not I don't follow college football during the season I follow the NFL and so I'm like catching up to everyone um from you know January through through uh, the end of April and you know I just love to see like you know look at Gil Brandt's hot 150 and Tony Pollard was in there and he was like kind of high I mean he was like 106 or something so I was like oh this is kind of interesting and I you know put in some time to researching about Tony Pollard and um, you know, watched him a little bit. And uh, and then I saw him pop up in another kind of, you know, NFL plugged in guys rankings. It might have even been Jeremiah's top 100. Uh, and I was like, all right, you know, this guy is he he's Tony Pollard is like on the NFL's radar. No question. Even though I didn't even see I was like you, I didn't even hadn't heard of him or hadn't even seen anybody mention him. Uh, but that's clearly a guy that the league was higher on than draft Twitter and, you know, the, the community in general. And his, his draft capital was probably way higher than anybody really anticipated outside the league. All right. Great stuff, Evan. He gave us his top 12. He gave us a couple of late round guys to, to look at and consider. Evan, we appreciate your time. Check out his work on Roto World and, of course, on Twitter at Evan Silva. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. 